Hello and welcome to the Stronger for Trails podcast with myself, Matt Buck, trail and ultra running coach and owner of trail running company, Running Adventures. On this episode, I spoke to lovely Lucy Bartholomew in front of a live Zoom audience about her career to date and some stories from the trail. Lucy also offers some amazing advice to any aspiring ultra or trail runner. Lucy burst onto the ultra running scene at a very young age, running her first 100km race when she was just 15. The Melbourne, Australia native has since achieved a number of impressive performances across the world, including winning the Ultra Trail Cape Town and Ultra Trail Australia races, and coming third in her first ever Western States 100. Let's jump straight in. This is my chat with Lucy. Thank you, Lucy, for joining us. Good morning, I should say to you. Yeah, good morning. It's seven o'clock in the morning and it's <laughs> I'm normally not uh, on a on a computer at this time of day, but it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, we, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, waking up early to speak to us and uh, taking some some time out of your morning. Um, have you been for a run yet? No, no, it's <laughs> um, it's good, actually, because it's uh, 30, 32 degrees Celsius. So it's hot. Um so it's good to get up early and hopefully I'll get a run in straight after this and get it done for the day. Nice, nice. We've uh, we've just had a uh, a very cold uh, couple of weeks, minus temperatures. So um, I'm not jealous at all of your 32 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> My mom lives in the UK and she, um, yeah, she's quite the same. We're on the phone and I'll be like, oh, it's so hot. I can't sleep. And she'll be like, it's so cold. I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> You need, uh, yeah. need to meet in the middle somewhere. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So we'll uh, we'll just crack on, really. Um, I've got lots of questions um, to ask you, and I'm gonna invite people, um, just like for the people that have watched um, previous ones of these. If you have any quest- questions that you want to ask um, Lucy, um, hopefully she doesn't mind, and uh, just kind of put your rough kind of question in the in the chat. And then I can come to you um, in a little bit and we can and you can ask Lucy your question yourself um, and I can uh, go on mute for a little minute. Um, but we will we will crack, go straight back to where it all began. So, um, Lucy, I mean, you're still very young, um, but you you started really young, um, 15, I believe, was it that you first sort of really started? getting into into running correct yeah um and you uh you did an ultra with your dad is that right yeah that's right so the way it kind of went was my dad uh has always done road marathons he's done lots and lots of uh the melbourne marathons and when he traveled that was how he saw cities um and then as he's gotten older he wanted to try something different and so he signed up for a race in australia called then it was called the North Face 100. Now it's called Ultra Trail Australia. Yeah. And he signed up and naturally was just terrified by the fact of running 100 kilometers um, through the bush, carrying uh, all this mandatory gear, having to think about food when, you know, marathons, everything's kind of sorted for you. Um, and so I joined him for the training of it. I rode my bike next to him on the long runs. And then as I got stronger, I started to join him for the long runs. And then I went up to the Blue Mountains to 
to see him compete and I saw him finish it. And, you know, what really struck me was I saw the front of the field. I saw the leaders and they looked amazing and super light and fast on the trails. And then I saw the middle of the pack, like my dad, like head down, working hard. (laughs) And then I saw like the back of the pack and I saw these people that were just like cake in one hand, chips and lollies in the other hand, trying to like balance a selfie. And I was like, this is a sport. This is unreal. Um, and so when I saw dad finish, I was wrote to all the race directors and just asked who would let a, a then 15 year old, uh, compete. And one came back to me, the surf coast century that said, if you follow all these rules, then, um, yeah, then we'll let you compete as long as you're side by side with your dad. And so that was my goal. Amazing. So, um, so of course I hadn't even thought of that. A, a lot of races, you probably weren't well you weren't old enough to to go into a lot of races um which is incredible and what kind of reaction did you get obviously you're cruising along with your dad I'm sure people kind of had doing a double take and thinking what what's going on this uh this young girl's just overtaken me what's going what's going on <laughs> yeah it was an interesting experience it definitely kind of was um I feel like it, you know there's lots of challenges that come with getting into running and for me when I entered this race and this race took a risk on letting me enter, there was a lot of controversy around it just because it was so uncharted territory. So when they announced that there was this 15 year old who's running, but she's done it, she's got to have a medical check. She's got to submit her training. She's got to submit a nutrition plan, like all these different hurdles. Um, the race ambassador, um, the female race ambassador for the race pulled out and said that she didn't want to be um, an ambassador for a race that's, Uh, advocating that young people should run 100Ks. And so when that happened, um, that kind of created, you know, like it does in the media, a snowball. Um, So we had like, you know, there was uh, magazine articles, there was opinion pieces, there was radio interviews. So there was a lot of people that kind of wanted to share their opinion on whether what they thought I could do, which was something that you know, I've always found strange. I think it's, it's, I know it came from a place of love and concern and just like, but to say that like my parents were bad parents to let me do it, that I was clearly had like an exercise addiction and like creating assumptions about me and my journey. And in all truthfulness, like I just wanted to spend the day running with my dad and whether it was a hundred Ks or whether 50 Ks took all day or whether who knows how many, how, how long the distance was, It just wasn't about that, but it became, yeah, quite the story. And my dad, you know, he said to me on the start line, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to pull you out and say that they were right and that you couldn't do this. So if you look unhappy at any point, you know, there's a lot of people that have the power to stop, stop that journey. So he's like, you've got to smile the whole way and kind of like a middle finger to all those people and just be like, I love what I'm doing. I love where I am and I choose to be here. And that's kind of something that I've taken throughout my running journey now is like, I always want to show people that like, even when it's tough, I love what I'm doing and I love who I am and where I am and why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's that's insane. So, I mean, obviously we'll we'll get onto this a bit more um, in a bit, You, you know, you get a lot of media attention you have done throughout your running career, but it started literally from like, day one when you just wanted to spend the day with your dad and have a you know enjoyable time on the trails and everyone was was kind of watching you and focusing on you it must have been quite overwhelming I would would have thought 
Yeah, it was. I think it, it definitely, um, yeah, I think it was like a, a point where I had to decide, like, is this worth it? Like, is it worth having people's opinions and people's assumptions? And like that obviously changes my experience because suddenly I felt like it wasn't just like I, I wanted to do it for myself. I was trying, I almost started to do it for other people um, just to prove them wrong. But, you know, at the end of the day, when I finished, it was just kind of like, you know, suddenly that opened the doors and now there's you know young people in Australia I mean there's young people in America running 100 miles and it's not as uncommon it's just that I think it all brought it very Australian and very on the home soil and it's kind of like you can't run like I couldn't enter a road marathon like under 18 it's very like it's just you cannot do it Hmm. but you know to be 15 and run 100ks on the trail the race directors were willing to 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 do that and it's just crazy that that's kind of like on the road you'd think there's a lot more help and support and if I needed to stop I could stop in the bush it's not like that um but yeah it's definitely it was definitely a poignant part of my running journey and like you say it was just the beginning yeah that's crazy um so what was it about the the whether it was that ultra or just ultras in general that really kind of hooked you in because obviously it did um what was it that you loved about it even though you were you kind of went through this experience where um you know people watching you um what there must have been quite a lot of positives that came out of it as well yeah definitely I'd say more than anything it was the community you know I think people kind of because I was the young one and I still am the young one and I think I will always be the baby of the group but you know my dad would take me to races or take me to long runs with groups and stuff and you know, I just felt very kind of as a 15, 16 year old, you know, a time in your life where, you know, things can be challenging and especially as a female, you just felt very welcomed and very kind of like, oh, we just think it's amazing that you're here. You know, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to be anyone. Like, it's just incredible that you're doing something that like, I can't get my kids out of bed in the morning and you're out here and you're going to come run however long with us. So I think that the biggest thing for me was just, a real kind of like um, confidence in my, in who I was. And that's what the community gave to me. And then running kind of, you know, we all know that running empowers uh, each, each other and ourselves and it gives us confidence. And you have those conversations on the trail that you'd never have in person. And I think that that kind of, yeah, just gave me a place and a space to talk about school, to talk about the future, to talk about like, you know, my body, to talk about my mental health. Like that's always been a really open conversation for me because the community has always been there for me. Um, And that's something that like, yeah, I I would never, never change. And it's probably the reason I've stuck in the sport so long is because I've always had that. And that's what, you know, my social media reflects is just, it's, a tribe of people who have just been there from the beginning and I would do anything for um so yeah that's probably where it all came that's probably the best thing yeah yeah and were there any times you know at the beginning or first um because you started so young first few years even where I don't know your mates might have been going out doing dumb stuff that kids do you know teenagers and you might not have been getting getting involved in that sort of thing were you, were you ever kind of thinking or oh, maybe Um, I'm missing out here or were you totally focused on the running and and not too fast? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's looking back, you know, there was definitely a sacrifice, you know, like I was, 
working at Baker's Delight or a break a bakery in Australia I was running and I was trying to like use the money from Baker's Delight to pay for races to pay for shoes and like trying to balance it and go to school and um yeah I didn't really do the whole like going out and doing silly things as much uh, I definitely participated a little bit and kind of found that that was just it didn't help my goal and dreams with running uh, to wake up the next day and to not feel so great and to be tired. And so that was kind of um, something that just kind of came pretty easily to me. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a sacrifice. Um, I remember like for my 21st birthday, I ran the uh, Ultra Trail Australia and it's a hundred K race and it's on my birthday. And all my friends were like what are you gonna do for your 21st like we're gonna go out we'll get hammered you know like it'd be a late night and I was like well I'm gonna go run 100k so it could be a late night I'll probably get hammered in a different way um you know I'll wake up the next day probably not feeling great but it's like just like a totally different way of looking at it um and you know by that point they kind of were like oh yeah she's still doing this okay (laughs) you know this is really part of her life and and I think, yeah, because I just have such great experiences, I don't feel like I sacrifice anything. Um, and when I come together with my friends and the ones who don't understand the running and who, who are still you know, at university and doing all of that kind of stuff, it's just like super fun to see the way that life can go. And I don't think they thought that my passion and my hobby would become my, my career um so we're both just like equally stoked just to to share the world together yeah right and they, they must be pretty jealous jealous of you um going off traveling around the world and and doing all these amazing things in moments i think <laughs> they also like <laughs> i think i paint a pretty realistic picture of um the airports that i sit at and the sleep that i miss um but yeah it's worth it for the destinations to get to yeah for sure um, and was there a, a kind of pivotal moment um, where you kind of realised that this is going to be your life going forwards? Um, was, there, was there like a single moment or did it just kind of gradually happen? How, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I would say it was a, a pretty gradual, um, a gradual as the sport in Australia specifically kind of grew, uh, I grew with it. And I would say that my whole career and um, rise in the sport was very, very lucky in a sense of the timing. Like I joined the sport when there wasn't a lot of females and there certainly was not many young females. And so I would do all these races and I would have, you know, my resume back in 2012 to 20. 14 maybe is is super successful it's lots of firsts but the thing is is that there was no one else in those races uh there was no other females and there was specifically no one under the age of 20 so they'd they'd create age groups for me then they'd give me a pair of shoes and that's great and it filled my confidence up and I thought I was you know I was Emily Forsberg of Australia um and so I kind of backed myself and went across overseas and took a gap year and had a go at some of the bigger races and realized, you know, there's a lot to learn and the mountains get bigger and the races get harder. Um, But I would say that it just kind of like slowly gained momentum, like with my confidence. And then as I got older, I was able to put more time into training to get stronger. And so I just kind of, it was very natural and very organic. And then probably when I raced in 2014 at the junior sky running world championships in Chamonix, 
um, and I won that. And it was just kind of, I didn't even know that there was a juniors category. I didn't realize that this was something I could be eligible for. I just was just like, oh, I'm running in Chamonix at the Mont Blanc Marathon with like Killian to my, my left and Emily to my right. Um, and yeah, it was probably then that I was like, oh, you know, if I take this gap year and do it again, but I just focus on training and like putting myself into races and I no longer have school or a university or a job, a job essentially, um, that I could, yeah, maybe do even better. And that's kind of what I've done for, I feel like I'm just on a gap year life at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, so how many gap years are you on now? Is it... Oh, six. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and when, at what point did Salomon come on board and how did that change your life, if at all? Yeah, oh, it totally changed my life. Um, so Solomon was, you know, like I said, these races that I did, a lot of them Solomon sponsored. And, you know, I would do, they had this series in every race, uh, there'd be one race a month and every month I'd go along. And of course they created this age category for me and they'd always give me a pair of shoes. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like every month I'm just getting a new pair of shoes. And they kind of said, they were like, hey, Lucy, like, it's kind of like a sponsorship deal, except for, you know, you've just got to win your way to it. And, um, and Neymar, who was the Australian uh, Salomon representative, was just, just kind of saw it in me that I loved the sport. She saw that those shoes that she gave me, I wore until they completely destroyed, you know, I'd wear them once they were done running, I'd wear them at the bakery and I'd just walk around with them with like sultanas in the bottom and flour on top and then I'd go and and she just kind of saw that I was super passionate and really really excited about running and that was when they were looking for athletes so Salmon Australia kind of said you know we're not going to sign get you to sign a contract before you're 18 just because we want you to finish school um, but we'll give you t-shirts give you shoes like and entries to these races or whatever and then, um, yeah, and then when I did the race in, in 2014 in Chamonix, I mean, the Annecy, uh, the Salomon headquarters in Annecy is like just down the road. And it was kind of like, hey, Lucy, do you want to come in and let's talk about how you can be more on the global team than just the Australian? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, and uh, so then you, you, you started kind of, jetting around the world and uh, entering races here, there and everywhere, um, grabbing podiums pretty much everywhere you went, although you did just say that a lot of the, you were the only female in some of the races. <laughs> um, but still, no, there's like some in incredible achievements um, that, that you've enjoyed. Um, and as, as this was happening, you were gaining more and more media attention. I just wondered how you, how you kind of, um, found that part of it and and was that something you were prepared for and um, do you enjoy that do you hate it you know how, how does that sit with you yeah it's definitely a, a give and take I think um, social media can be super super wonderful and really inspiring and very like connects the world and then it can be um, pretty scary a pretty scary place where it's just anyone has an opinion and anyone can share it whether um whether they should or shouldn't but I think like because I'd seen like I'm 24 I grew up in the social media realm you know I kind of came out with a phone in my hand and taking selfies like it's just it's very natural to me and it comes across that way I think my social media 
and I've always used social media to to follow like Emily Forsberg or to follow Anna Frost and because I've I know how powerful that social media was to me as a young person to inspire me that this was like a plausible life and something that females could do I understand that by me sharing my story it kind of will roll on to the the young generation that's coming through as well so I think that um yeah I kind of see the good side I really and I am so lucky that like my community is so strong and so just empowering and always there for me and then you know the flip side is of course you know when you have 90,000 people following you you have a few people that don't know when not to say something or who want to be heard and that's fine like I think my dad has been my saving grace with um trolls on social media and people just wanting to give unsolicited opinions because he's always just been like he reads all the comments still to this day you know kind of eight years on in my social media he still scrolls through and he reads if someone comments about the way I look or the way that I am doing something and he doesn't he never writes back he's such a silent observer but um you know he he'll he'll say something to me you know he'll be like hey you you know do you read this comment like let's talk about that you know why do you think this person said that and just kind of always like instead of me internalizing it and eating myself up it's more of like a an open conversation that I either learn something and grow from it or I yeah we dismiss it and just kind of go okay well this person's just an idiot yeah there's a lot of those on social media as well there's a lot of those but there's <laughs> yeah, so many more good people that's true that is true um I, I feel like anyone who's watching or listening to this if you're ever gonna post anything on social media then just remember that Lucy's dad is watching you and you'll come and get you <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> the social media police <laughs> um and so as I said you did loads of um, amazing races um over the over the kind of 2017 2018 were there any that really stood out for you that that you really enjoyed or that you um you had particular memories from yeah so at 2017 2018 were definitely kind of like the years that everything was going super super well um so yeah i ran that ultra trail australia on my 21st birthday so the 100k and that was it was a, such an amazing experience it was a race that obviously it was the first race i saw my dad do um and then to return and to kind of get to do it myself and be on those on those cliffs and up those stairs and was something super cool the um the race was changed that year and I was so disappointed that it wasn't the original course and what it turned out to be was that uh, we just did an out and back for the last 40 k's or something and um, what I ended up doing was running into a lot of the crowd a lot of the people coming the other way and they all sang me happy birthday oh, wow. um, so the last bit was all spurred on just from this constant chorus of people being like oh it's Lucy happy birthday happy birthday <laughs> and it was just you know a super super fun way to finish you know an amazing day um and then uh I did the Tatawira which is a, a race in New Zealand which I just loved it was super super muddy super wet and just kind of uh, yeah just like an amazing experience and that was kind of my lead up into the western states which I did um, so that's 100 miles uh, it was my first time running that distance in America 
And, you know, and I, I don't know if, if you know the race, but it's super privileged to get into it. And I kind of was gifted an entry and wanted to seize that opportunity. So to have a race there that, you know, will go down is probably my strongest performance um, so far. And to finish third and to compete against, you know, my idols and all those people was something that was so, so special. So I'd say they were like my highlights of that year. Yeah, that, that Western States performance was was insane um how did you find that race did you enjoy it was it you know was it all that you you kind of hoped for obviously you had a great result but yeah I think you know more than the race I loved the build-up I had you know I had an amazing time doing little races in Australia um I was getting I got stronger and stronger and um, it was it was just like a seamless. I've never had a a build up quite like it. And then I went across to America early, and I just found myself in this family in Auburn who just looked after me in an incredible way and took me out onto the course. And we just clicked and everything got along, and it was super super fun. And then they ended up crewing me on the day. And um, I remember like being told like three pieces of advice for Western states, and it was like, don't be the first person up the first climb. Don't um, when you get to mile 50, um, you know, take a, sorry, kilometer 50, mile 30, you know, take a serious break and eat some food before you hit the canyons. And then like rule three was like, the race starts at hundred Ks. Like, I know you've never raced hundred Ks, hundred miles before, but yeah, you do hundred K warm up and then race 60 Ks. And, um, and I remember starting the race and I was like the first person up the climb and I was like, oh no, I'm doing this wrong. And then I got to Robinson's flat at 30 miles and I was like, ran, cause I was leading. I was like, I can't stop. I need to go. And I just ran straight through. And I remember leaving there and being like, oh no, <laughs> like, I've ruined it. And then I got to hundred Ks and I was like, just, I just had just been passed. And I was like, oh, I do not want to race 60ks right now I'm I won the 100k race yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm done um but it was it was a race of just like I ran the first 100ks like blissfully unaware I was just like oh running's running whether you do it for 5k or 100 miles and I just ran with my intuition which is it's great and it's you know a lot of people said it was a fun and beautiful thing to watch but the last 60 Ks, specifically the last 30 Ks, you know, I had Sally McRae pick me up and she was just like, yeah, she had to bury me pretty deep in the pain cave. And it was just a, an act of resilience by the end. It was, it was, it was really tough, but to finish into the last mile or so you can have um, your, your crew and your paces with you. And I had my dad and you know, the video that Solomon made of my Western States race is, you know, when you run onto that track, I just remember like feeling, I can't believe I did it. Like, I can't believe it's over. And then the incredible thing is, is I went back in 2019 expecting to have a similar experience and I had a shocking race. Mm. Um, and it's just, that's what allures me to this whole sport is that you can have the best day and then you can have the worst day and they're the same trail but they are just totally different experiences so um yeah it was just kind of that race and that whole atmosphere is just something so unique and so cool i remember watching your salomon video for that and all i watched numerous western states videos and always that bloody finish line it's emotion it's an emotional place <laughs> it's, 
so emotional. Gets me in tears every time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that incredible. So, um, and what I mean, you mentioned I was going to ask about um, the following year. You went back, um, and you you just said you had a had a shocker. So what 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 was different? What changed? Yeah, well, you know the saying that comparison is the thief of all joy. I would say that that's it. Like I went even from the very beginning, you know, I, in 2018, I started training like Jan one or something like, you know, really early. And so on January, Jan one of 2019, I was like, right, this is when I start training. Cool. Like, let's do it. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to do the same races. And all those races just didn't feel good and didn't feel right. But I was so like, I just wanted to make it I just wanted to tell myself it's okay it's okay like you're still going to be able to do what you did um and I just tried to replicate and tried to replicate and it all didn't feel good and then I changed coaches because I was I was just kind of I needed some like I need something fresh about it I felt like you know he got me to third place this guy could get me to first place um so I changed coaches and this coach just did not understand a female um and did not understand was very high volume and I've always like been okay with high volume but the minute that I add in quality workouts I need to reduce my volume so I was running and for Western States in 2018, probably peaked at like a hundred miles a week. Like that's not huge compared to a lot of the guys and some of the girls. Um, But for this, for 2019, we did a 240 kilometer week. I don't know what that is in miles, but Uh, yeah, a lot, (laughs) a lot. Yeah. And I totally outran my love of running in the training. I was burnt. I was tired. I was I stood on the start line and I almost like wanted it to be over before Mm. it had began. And I remember kind of being like, well, you know, like the first hundred Ks will fly by because that's what happened last year. And then we kind of were hiking up the first hill and I was like, looked at my watch and I was like, we've only done two Ks. (laughs) This is going to be the long day. And the only thing that kept me going um, was that my brother had flown across to pace me from the 100k mark down to the rocky chucky river crossing and he was so excited and i was like i just need to get to him so he can have his experience and then you know then you're only 30k's from the finish so it was like well i might as well just walk this in and that's exactly what i did like sally again paced me to the finish line and she couldn't have had polar opposites, you know, before 2018, I was like motivated, but like, you know, hurting, but moving well. And this time I was like complaining and just like not a fun person to hang out with. And it took a lot longer, but nonetheless, that finish line was, is so special either way. You know, it was kind of like, if I can endure that kind of a day from the very, very beginning, I feel like I can endure, you know, some really hard days in the future. Yeah, right. and I'm sure you probably um, learned a lot more from the the, uh, the second uh, race out there than you did from the first. Totally, yeah. I definitely, you know, I, I look back and on reflection, the biggest thing for me was that I didn't fully allow myself to recover in 2018. I think when you have a good race, it's super, super easy to just want to keep pushing. You're like, I'm fit. I've just come third. I'm like, you know, the media wants to talk to you. People want to talk to you. You are, you are the it girl. And that's a, that's a great feeling, but it's also not a sustainable feeling. And it really makes it hard to have 
the recovery because everyone just asks the next day. So what's next? Like where, what's next? There's another race. There's UTMB. Are you going there? And I was just kind of, I wasn't used to that. And I was like, well, yeah, like, if, should I be there? Okay, I'll do that, you know, and I'll just, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then, so in 2019, even after like a not so good race, I finished and I was like, I'm going to Hawaii and I am going to surf and sit on a beach and I want to be left alone. And, you know, the media didn't want to talk to me at that point. So that was fine. But it kind of made me realize that I always need to, you know, I prepare meticulously for these events. I race my heart out and no one prepares for afterwards and I think the afterwards is what's going to like ultimately snowball up and it will lead to what happened in 2019 where I really didn't love running and I was just doing it because I felt like that's where I should be and what I should do yeah sure and um so after that you you didn't really um correct me if I'm wrong but as as far as the internet tells me you didn't really do a couple of smaller races um and then obviously covid happened but even before that um you didn't do any more racing and was that as a result of kind of you just thought enough's enough i need a little break um gonna take some time for myself or yeah totally so i went to i finished that race and i flew and went to i was meant to run the ccc in utmb in chamonix and um yeah it was kind of like i was really really not enjoying running but i was again like still just doing it because this was now my job and this was what I should be doing and this is what I'm known for and and, you know like running was very much defining me by that point and I kind of started to realize that this was just you know like I don't want to do this anymore and um, when I was in Chamonix you know those mountains are so big that race is so wild it takes such um, such a strength to do it and you have to be 100% into that and I wasn't and uh, so I remember, you know, pulling out and just saying, no, I um, like, I'm not going to compete. And everyone was just like, are you injured? Are you okay? What's wrong? And I was like, no, like I'm, I'm actually not injured. I would rather have a broken leg because then you could see physically that I can't do this, mm. but I'm actually fine. I just don't want to do it. Like my heart does not want to be out there. And that's like a huge thing. You know, I've always been someone who's followed my heart and done what, what feels good and what feels right. Um, and so I pulled out of that race and kind of, you know, was like, I just need to stop. I need to, I flew to my mom in the UK. I just kind of trotted around, you know, the muddy trails of the UK and came home. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll do Alter Trail Cape Town. Like, I love that race. I've had a good success there. I love South Africa. And I got there and the same thing happens. Like, but it was just kind of like, I just don't think I'm ready. Um, And so I, yeah, I didn't start that race. And obviously then, you know, as someone who's always ticked boxes and created plans of years and done them all and done pretty well, um, it kind of, yeah, all started to just like get too much for me. So then I really took some time off and was like, Lucy, you got to sort your shit out. Like you can't keep getting people to pay your flight and then just going, actually, now I'm good. You know, (laughs) like it's not what I'm, not what I'm about and not what I'm for. So then I, yeah, I did the Tatawira in New Zealand, which was more of a local race. I like, I finished it and I started, which was a success, Um, but I didn't have a great race again. I just kind of, yeah, my body was just giving me signs of like, we just need to recalibrate. We 
Shopify and we got we've let you do all of that but it's really time for for you to just like go back to square one refine your why of running like why are you doing this go back to running with your dad and with groups and with friends and stop worrying about your sponsors and your expectations and social media and what people are saying and once I kind of I flew from Tatawira to Nepal and I spent time just running around the Himalayas and I was just like this is why I run like a bib is just so not my like be all or end all and um that kind of exploration and I've come back from there and obviously COVID happened but probably a blessing in disguise for me because I've been home I've trained consistently I've had um you know I'm probably back to to where I was and with a whole lot of uh mental fortitude and a lot of extra little things I've learned along the way that really just gives me so much respect for this sport and anyone who dares to to step into it because we all run the risk of putting our body both like physically mentally emotionally and spiritually into like a pretty big hole um and so it's just like now I've like the people that are around me are like super super good at just kind of being like hey Lucy like you know like let's hang out let's not talk about running let's do something else you know I've been getting into swimming and cycling and just kind of like doing other things and that's what I think is really important especially being 24 like I don't plan to to be out of this sport at 30 you know I want to be around and um for me to do that I need to be a bit more balanced in my approach yeah I that's think, the long answer yeah no <laughs> I think you um you hit the nail on the head 100% agree with, with everything you said and I'm always telling people if you're going to do a race you have to want to do it you have to really want to do it don't just do it because your mates are doing it or because you know it, it's cool to do an ultra or something you have to really want to do it otherwise um you're going to struggle <laughs> yeah and there's like a million reasons that you'll that you'll like you you'll see opportunities to pull out and excuses and you know like your your feet will hurt your tummy will be a little off <laughs> like all those little things are just like oh thank god i've got my get out card you know like and I, when you're so stoked that you're out there, nothing can stop you. You know, your feet hurt. Great. I'm going to stop. I'm going to address that. Your tummy hurts. Cool. I'm going to like change my training. Like you have your plans. And I felt like, yeah, like that would have been CCC was instead of looking at the views and enjoying the time, I'd be looking for the excuses and waiting for the time to stop. And that's like, that's not why I run. And it's certainly why I would know you're not going to the, the European Alps. Um, and yeah, that was kind of, it was a really big decision for me. It was the first time that I'd withdrawn and um, to do it in kind of one of the biggest races in the world with um, a lot of people there who were like, um, yeah, excited to see me race. And it was kind of like, I'm not your entertainment. Like, you know, just be like, if I'm not in it, um, you know, the race still goes ahead. You'll still have something to watch, um, but I'll be standing on the sideline with you shouting at people too. Yeah, cool, cool. Um so just kind of coming to the last couple of questions, I'm going to change uh, topic completely because um, I wanted to mention your cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've not read it. I've only seen um, pictures on um, online, but it looks incredible. So congratulations on that. Do you want to just quickly tell us a bit about that? Yeah, totally. So the cookbook kind of came out of the pandemic. Um, so just it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always shared my recipes on on Instagram, on my website. And I just, I love a cookbook. And I was like, well, you know, like I could just 
make a PDF so that I can send people, they can print it and whatever. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there where I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, it's classic ultra runner. I was like, well, I'm going to do it really well. <laughs> I'm going to go the whole way and I'm going to, and then I got it printed and bound and sold on shelves. And it was kind of like, wow, that went from 5k to hundred miles real quick. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a plant-based cookbook. So I eat a vegan diet. Um, but the biggest thing for me is that food is, it's not so much about, what we eat it's about how we eat and who we eat and where we eat and like just kind of you know my dad is not plant-based and I'm living with my dad at the moment since um, I've been locked down and um I you know I create these meals that are like plant-based so they're like the, the base of them is plant-based but you know dad wants to put cheese on a pizza he wants to put yogurt, a yogurt on a, a curry or something and so the book is about creating meals that are plant-based that I can eat and that I enjoy and that I love to prepare and then like having the opportunity to turn them into something that like someone who's not plant-based can enjoy as well and so the other aspect of it is that it's very kind of like zero waste um, in the ingredients very very like um, they're very affordable and cheap and kind of like peasant food ingredients like it's like potatoes and oats and rice and it's like they're the ingredients that I love. Like I just live off for that earthy taste. Um, and I just, you know, simple is better for me. And that's what I wanted to show is that like, like the humble oat can be turned into pancakes. It can be made into burgers. It can be used to make biscuits. It can be like, it's got so many lives to live. And I think we all just think of porridge and we're all like, it's kind of like glue. Um, but there's so many like different things that you can do with it. So I really just wanted to kind of use all of that ingredient and use it in as many ways as possible. And then my favorite thing to do in, in our house is to like, say we make like a batch of dal and we, you know, we cook big in our house cause it's just, you know, it goes for lunch for a few days, but when you make like lentils, like a big thing of dal and then if you make that on Monday by Wednesday, you're usually like, I'm so over dull. It's, it's incredible. Um, and so I'm like, well, how can we, how can you give life to dull again? And so if you add some oat flour and you roll it up and you make it into burgers, you can bake that. And then you've got burgers and you've got suddenly this totally different cuisine in, in a totally different way. Like my dad is just like, oh, this is great, Lucy. And I was like, this is exactly what you ate yesterday, just in a different <laughs> format. Yeah. And you kind of realize how, you know, the way that we visually see food, you know, it's not always like, oh, lentils again. It's just like, oh, you know, like that consistency again. So I really just wanted to like give life to these meals over and over again and give life to these ingredients in different ways. Um, and just do it really cheaply, really affordably show that plant-based doesn't mean that like you don't, you just eat salad and it, or it's very, very expensive. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of like, kind of all came together. I'm so stoked on it. You know, like took all the photos in there in three days. We shot 65 recipes in three days, which was, I ate super well. That's yeah, right. <laughs> um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, my dad got really involved in it. He just loved it. And um, it was just something for us to work on. And, you know, I had to eat. I was in a house with a kitchen and it kind of seemed the perfect time to do it. Oh, cool. Can we get it in the UK? 
So it's currently sold out in hard copy. Is ebook okay. available? But um, I'm hoping to to print some more hard copies because I feel like a cookbook is just something you want to stain and crease in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. Well, um, in the meantime, I will encourage everyone to go and find the uh, the e version online. I'm going to go and get it after this, and uh, <laughs> I need to. Thank you. I need to sort my diet out. So this is a perfect opportunity. <laughs> um so if, if um if it's okay lucy we'll just very quickly i know i said we'd, we'd be about 45 minutes um but we'll just quickly go to a couple of questions if that's all right yeah totally so um keely are you there keely hi yeah yeah there she is do you want to ask you a question yeah hi lucy hi uh, yeah, I just wanted to know what was your training plan like for your 100k when you were 15? How many miles? What did you do? Yeah, cool. So when I was 15, uh, like I said, like I was balancing a lot between school and and work and um, I was yeah, I was working at Baker's Light then and um, and then trying to run. So it wasn't I can tell you I was doing no sessions, no like intervals or anything like hard. It was all easy running. And then it was like, I always think it was the, a perfect thing to have school and to have like work alongside it because it really didn't let me run as much as I probably wanted to or, but it's, it's probably the amount that I should. I, I believe I peaked at about 80 Ks a week. Um, and I did that like once and then everything else was kind of um, sitting around that 50, 50 kilometers, 60 kilometers. Cause I really think that when you're running your first hundred K it's, it's more about your head. It's about getting your, the headspace right about the fact that, you know, you're going to run a hundred Ks. And I had no concept of what that looked like. You know, I, I wasn't driving at that time. So I wasn't like, Oh, I wouldn't drive that far. Cause I was like, I'd drive anywhere if I could. <laughs> so I think that it's just kind of like being in a good headspace for it. And um, we were focusing me and my dad, you know, we, he kind of took the marathoner, um, way of looking at training and so a marathoner generally doesn't train over that three hour mark because of the risk of injury is perceived too high this is very old school he's old so very old school um and so we never trained over three hours uh so i think when we were doing that 80k yeah the long run was three hours we pretty much just run out and then until we got bored and we had nothing else to say to each other and then we, or we were out of snacks and then we'd turn around and come back and it was just kind of there wasn't a whole lot of um, planning to the training, but it was just kind of like getting up every day or, you know, six days a week, having a rest day. Um, and just, you know, I just run this little seven kilometers around my block. We used to live in the city and, uh, and that was it, but it just made me so stoked to running a hundred kilometers on trail that nothing could stop me from doing that. Wow. Can I just ask then if your longest run was like three hours, how did you get through the 100k how did that feel breaking that three hour barrier and obviously going way way longer yeah that's a great question i i think it's so fascinating you know like in a marathon they all say at 30ks you're going to hit this thing called the wall it's where you bonk it's where you're just like you're going to run out of glycogen and you know shit hits the fan from there and what i what my dad kind of saw in me is that i didn't I had a watch, but I didn't really know how it worked and I didn't really use it that much, but I would run and I would never know the distances or the time or anything. And so, you know, 
I remember I, I really think that when people run a marathon, they look at their watch and it might say like two hours, 59 minutes. And they're like, oh, all the walls here. This, this must be it. And then they, they kind of create this story based on someone else's experience of, oh, you're going you're gonna to feel shit at 30 kilometers. Just expect that. Like that's what's going to happen. And when that's told to you, yeah, when you see that and that you create that story within you. And I think that for the 100K, like I just had no concept three hours just kind of went past we stopped we ate some noodles and some soup we walked around walked a little bit you know and the cool thing was is that I was with my dad who just like constantly brought me back to the present instead of worrying about what was going to happen in like 20 k's or something we just were like oh let's like talk about you know the dog or the family or you know like let's take our minds off thinking too far into the future that we can't control but we can control right now so let's just like focus on that and eating and drinking and having a good time and looking at the view um so I think I just honestly I I just don't think I really had any concept of the distance and the time compared to the training I was just like I can only do what I'm doing now and just seeing how, how that kind of went. And it's always been the way I race, just like at Western States where it was just like, I, I can only control me and what I'm doing now. And I've done the training and I've never run this far. And that's kind of scary, but it's kind of cool. And whatever I do will be a PB. So I just need to have that kind of mindset. And um, I think that can take you a long way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then uh, we'll go straight over to Susie. If you want to ask your question, Susie. Yeah. Hi, Lucy. Hi. Um, you were saying that you changed coaches and the male coach that you had sort of didn't understand you. And I was thinking, or didn't understand you as a, a female runner. And I was thinking that so much of ultra running, so much of the experience and the kind of advice and whatever is based on male runners. So what do male coaches and actually all of us need to know do you think what could we benefit from knowing about running these kind of distances as women totally yeah this is such a different like a space that's really starting to um to open up I feel like people are starting to realize that women are not just small men um and I think that's like a huge it's like revolutionary to people when it's just it should be quite obvious um so obviously the first thing was was that he was just so um he didn't care about where I was in my cycle um which definitely plays a part in the way that you train I I honestly think that the people he does train don't have a cycle um and that he was just not used to someone who does ebb and flow and ride a pretty wild roller coaster with hormones and stuff so I think that that was kind of something that you could tell he was uncomfortable with and I wasn't at that age and where I was in my like um, confidence wasn't kind of forthcoming with the information either. I think that communication with a coach is, is so important and I probably didn't do my part in it. But I think, um, yeah, probably the coach I have now who is just <laughs> probably like asks all the time how everything's going, <laughs> um, you know, he uh it's really opened my eyes to like yeah if you do pay attention to that and your body's signals you know super super early on if your body's overworked and you know really early on if your body's feeling really good and you know that the period we get and the cycles we go through 
they're all just like little indicators of like, yep, all's good, Lucy, or hey, Lucy, ease up. And um, that was kind of the biggest thing that I was like, wow, he doesn't train either women with a cycle or he hasn't just trained women. And especially not um, oh, someone who was young and just kind of a little bit uh, less confident to kind of be forthcoming with it. Yeah. Nice. And uh, the, so final question, we'll uh, head over to Matt, which is, this is a, a question that I get asked a lot. So we'll see what Su uh, Lucy's got to got to say about it. You there, Matt? Hi, Lucy. How's it going? Hi, good. Yeah, uh, so just a, a little one. So obviously some of the races you've done of uh, huge levels of climb and stuff. I just wonder what your sort of approach to training for that sort of climb. Like I've got a couple of races a little bit later on in the year that have got, um, I'm not sure what it is in metres, but like uh, sort of 5,000 metres of climb. I've just got no idea how on earth I'm going to get to the end of those races um, with all that climb when the sort of area that I live in is, well, it's, no, it's not flat, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this it could be challenging <laughs> yeah what totally. sort of approaches in in that sort of stuff yeah i think you know i think the best thing that i did when i trained in so i was living in the city of melbourne which is 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 very flat um and i was training for like the the junior world <clears throat> mountain sky running championships in chamonix and i remember just like, you know, I would do some hill repeats and I would do what I thought was kind of considered the thing to do. And I did a bit of stuff in the gym just to kind of like strengthen those muscles. Yeah. Um, but I really think the best thing you can do is like get your headspace right and don't yeah. count yourself out of it because you don't have the hills and the training ground. Like I remember, you know, if you, when you're doing your a few hill repeats, when you can do that amount of climbing in one straight climb and have an amazing view at the top, the gratitude that a flatlander person has is just like, this is the best thing ever. I don't have to go back down. We're just going one way up. Oh, amazing. Look at this view. You know, like that stoke that you have is like people that live in the mountains and that's their every day are just like, oh yeah, cool. Another view. Yeah. Sweet. And you're just like, no, but this, that stoke is so much energy and such an advantage. So like harnessing that and, you know, it, yes, you do need to obviously strengthen those muscles to really enjoy that whole process. But I think um, if I could say anything is like, yes, a few hill repeats are good. They are like beneficial. Um, even on the smallest of hill, like 30 seconds up, if you're like run them strongly, like that's really good just to kind of like, uh, really use the right muscles and then in the gym doing things like step box step ups with weights or something um, and just kind of engaging those glutes even just like without any weights at all doing hip bridges and just kind of making sure you squeeze your bum um, because that's essentially what you're doing when you hike but more than anything like switch your focus to thinking like oh like I can't train for this in, in my training ground and I'm not like it's going to be super super challenging and instead I would look at it as like, I can't believe I get this, like this opportunity and like the, the climbs and the views and like the strength I'm going to gain from this. Um, I think that will take you further. Cause that was kind of how I always ran in the mountains was just like, yeah. I can't believe we're going a thousand meters up in one go. Like I go 50 meters <laughs> and um, it's pretty incredible what that kind of energy will do for you. Thank you. No worries. A very good question and an excellent answer. I'm, I'm going to steal some of that for when I get asked that next time. <laughs> <laughs> Go um, for it. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're coming to the end now. So um, 
what's next, Lucy? What's on? Uh, assuming when we're all out out of our houses, um, what's on the horizon for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm in for Western states. I'm going back again, um, but that's if I can get to America. Yeah. Um, and then I am in for UTMB, which uh, I did say that those two were probably a little close, but yeah. <laughs> here I am learning again in 2021. Um, but of course, it's all travel kind of dependent. I am actually doing a, a project here in Australia with Solomon to run the Lara Pinta Trail, which is a 200k trail in the Northern Territory, right in like the Indigenous, um, it's very sacred land. And something I've always wanted to do and I was like well if not now when to do that so um yeah heading up to do that and yeah if I stay local I'll do all those little races that I um I did when I started uh but I think they're a lot more competitive now which will be super fun cool cool. excellent well thank you so much for um getting out of bed early to talk to us um it's been awesome to speak to you and thank you everyone for for tuning in um and watching um we'll let you go out for your for your run now is it breakfast then run or run then breakfast it's uh it's going to be run then breakfast right. yeah right. it's only a little run but i feel like i need to show get tani because um oh yes stuart stuart needs to see tani and i want to show tani i'll go, go grab her go for it i'm hoping Hi. that tani is a dog <laughs> <laughs> or some sort of animal. Honey's <laughs> shy. How long do we wait for? <laughs> Here we go. Ah. Uh, Say hello. There we go. <laughs> is this your puppy? Yeah, this is my puppy. Very She's nice. almost a year old. Just about ready for running then. Well, we thought she was a Kelpie and a good running dog. And then we found out she's actually Rottweiler. Uh. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, that's why she's terrible at the heat and uh, not a good runner. Oh, oh well. <laughs> with adopting a rescue, you don't know what you get. Sure, sure. Ah, oh, well, very cute anyway. Um, okay, I'm gonna, that was a nice, a nice way to end. Thank you so much, Lucy. Um, enjoy your run and uh, hope thank to speak you. to you again thank you too. everyone take care and thank you everyone enjoy the rest of your evening thank you for listening I really hope you enjoyed our chat and I can tell you now that her dog Tani was really really cute Lucy was a brilliant guest and you can find her on Instagram at Lucy underscore Bartholomew if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a review and spread the word you can contact me on Instagram at running underscore Bucky or search for running adventures for all your trail running needs, including trail weekends, coaching, guided runs and much, much more. Until next time, goodbye and happy running.